Yeah, no kidding. Jordan's been all over it all weekend long at Horns 24-7, recapping the uh, tremendously successful junior day that Texas had on Saturday. More than 100 Longhorn recruiting targets were in Austin. Texas Trey picked up a couple of commits, one for the class of 2025 and one for the class of 2026. It feels like the rich are getting richer around here, and that's a great thing if you're a Longhorn fan. Agreed. I know very little about either of these two dudes. Watched some highlights after the commitments dropped, and especially with the running back, it seems like they uh, got somebody who has the potential to be really, really special at that position at the college level. Yeah, I think it's a big deal if you get offered that far away from college. Like clearly, this coaching staff thinks incredibly highly of Racine Guillory, the class of 2026 running back from Alito, uh, who played a lot at Alito, which is a big freaking deal because that's a powerhouse football program in the state. Uh, yeah, and to Shard Choice, you tip your cap to him. Bucky and I spent some time talking about that this morning. Just that guy continues to do tremendous work, both as a recruiter and as a developer, right? I mean... He took over his first year here. Bijan Robinson wins the Doak Walker Award. Rojo becomes a third-round pick. And then those guys leave. Everyone was curious about what the running back room was going to look like this season. Jonathan Brooks turns into an All-American candidate before he got hurt. C.J. Baxter, Jaden Blue. And obviously, you've got a few more reinforcements coming in this year and in the next few years, too. So that, to me, is the overarching uh, takeaway that I have from this Junior Day weekend that Texas just had. They've got a really, really good running backs coach in the shard choice and enjoy them while you have them, Longhorn fans, because I'm a little surprised that guy hasn't get, gotten poached. I'm a knock on wood and keep praying and hoping that it doesn't happen. But that dude is a star in this coaching industry right now. Stars a recruiter, star as developer of talent, too. Yeah, Texas found a home run hire as a position coach, and eventually they are not only going to have to continue paying him more, which I'm assuming is happening each offseason. But they're going to have to find ways to increase just what his responsibility is on this coaching staff. I know there can be as many co-OCs or DCs as a guy wants, but don't be surprised if he doesn't end up with that label at some point in the not-too-distant future. I'm not saying this offseason necessarily, but at some point that has to be in the realm of possibilities because you would assume Tashard Choice has higher aspirations than merely remaining a running backs coach somewhere. Yeah, the last running back coach at Texas got a head coaching job at Temple. So maybe that's next for Tashard Choice, right? Maybe he works his way up. Maybe he goes to the NFL, wants to be a running back coach up there. Maybe he goes the offensive coordinator out, or maybe uh, someone thinks highly enough of him to where they're willing to give him the keys to the car, and he becomes a head coach somewhere else. So, hey, that's uh, that's future us problems. Thankfully, we've got uh, Tashard Choice on staff right now, and he just continues to do a phenomenal job, like you said, both as a recruiter and as a developer as well. Yeah, I know the the uh, Texas coaches went out and did get a running back in the transfer portal a few off seasons ago, but running back is one of those positions that, like, I'm not really flinching at the guys who have entered the transfer portal and whether or not there's going to be an upgrade that can be provided for the running back room because the running back room is so healthy right now because they've recruited and developed it so well. Mm -hmm. Agreed. 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 And I think everyone feels good about the future of that position, too, uh, especially with what we saw from C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue, minus the fumbles against Washington in the second half of that game. But it feels like those two guys uh, have some juice to them. Jarrett Gibson coming in as well. Yeah, that is a uh, healthy position group right now for Texas. And as long as choice is uh, in charge, I'm going to feel good about that remaining the 
case. All right, plenty to get into on a Monday edition of the award-winning midday program. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Uh, we'll get back into Texas football. We've got some Texas basketball to talk about as the Longhorns picked up their biggest win of the season against Baylor on Saturday. And, of course, the uh, Final Four in the NFL is set. We'll recap the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and start to uh, look ahead to these conference championship matchups coming up on Sunday. And, of course, at the end of the hour, we will have Where Are We At in Society. Any tease for today's story, my friend? Hmm. Putting you on the spot here. We have some options. Uh-oh. Including... Chinese marathon runner disqualified for chain smoking through race. You'd figure a hero like that would be lauded, but instead he's been disqualified. What? And Ford's self-repossessing cars. In our continuing coverage of the inevitable war between man and machine. (laughs) All right, those coming up at the end of the hour. Uh, Where do you want to go first? First, we've already been talking for 15 minutes. Where do you want to go, Texas basketball or NFL? Oh, I think we we uh, spare people starting with Texas basketball, don't we? At this point in time, people can't even enjoy a win over a top 10 opponent at the Moody Center after all. I saw so much griping about Rodney Terry at the, after that game, and look, he, he deserves some of it. We will get to that eventually. Let's start with the NFL, though, BK, because I have to congratulate you. You, my friend, understand that if you are really going to go down and lose a second bet in our season-long football picks gambling experience you know how to go down in flames my friend congratulations on an 0-4 weekend to secure a second W for me this season yeah the first winless weekend for either of us in our season-long pick'em contests of games and yep I had the Texans covering against Baltimore I had the Niners covering against the Packers I had the Bucks covering against the Lions and I had uh, Buffalo covering against Kansas City. And if you faded BK, which hopefully you've been doing all season long, uh, you made yourself a lot of money over the weekend. So, yeah, an impressively bad showing by me with a chance to get back on track and really make this an interesting final couple of weeks of the NFL postseason. Instead, I did the exact opposite. I blew it. So we have three more NFL games that we could potentially bet on. Are you sure you don't want to go one more round here? You know, I was hoping I'd be close enough to where I'd make a deal with you and you'd be willing to make a deal with me to where it's like, ah, these games count twice or something to get me back on track and maybe you'll have to do the punishment. But because I went 0-4, I'm not even going to offer. Like, I don't deserve the mulligan here. I don't deserve the shot at redemption like we're playing a game of beer pong here. I don't deserve it. So, no, I'm not doing a third freaking punishment. Like, I know you threw me the life vest thinking that, uh, you know, you were helping me out by resetting the standings like a month ago. Deep down, you probably knew I was going to lose again and I was going to have to do another punishment. I'm not letting you and everybody else witness me do a third punishment because that's exactly what would happen if we restarted this thing. Well, I'm disappointed to hear that you've wised up. But the good news is that the people get to... See, first, secondhand, I don't know what you consider it when you're talking about live streaming or posting a video after the fact, but people get to experience in the next year, and this first one is going to be uh, sooner than the second payoff, even though the second payoff was clinched 
or the first pay- playoff was uh, payoff was clinched second. You are going to get your te- chest waxed during the midday show at some point in the near future. I think you and I need to be in person for that one. So that might require you to uh, drive up to my home studio here so I can get the uh, multicam set up. We can get the mobile chest waxer, uh, make sure that she has some availability. And then the second bet payoff is you dressing head to toe in burnt orange and sitting in the OU section at next year's Texas OU game, which hopefully doesn't get you hurt. It's just, I think a lot of that is going to depend on how hardcore you're rooting for Texas in that game. But, Oh boy, that one's going to be its uh, own form of pain for you when you actually have to pay it off. I got to be careful at the Cotton Bowl, right? I can't yeah. be the diehard WNBA super fan that I was. No. At one time, we went to a San Antonio Silver Stars game, the now defunct San Antonio Silver Stars. Uh, if I do stuff like that, yeah, I'm going to get murdered. Forget my ass getting kicked. I will get killed in broad daylight at the Cotton Bowl. But uh, I got to cheer. I can't be silent the whole time. I got to make some noise. Hopefully it's closer to the 2022 game than it is the 2023 game. Although you fans will be pissed about that, but you know, I'd, I'd rather deal with that than deal with what we just saw last year. And then the chest waxing, I got to grow. I got to grow some chest hair, man. I've got to, that's part of the, that's part of the bet payoff here. So I got to find a way to grow some chest hair. And you've by that, got I, you've got something in the middle of your chest. Yeah. By that, I mean, I've got a, I like, I'm a chest shaver. I'm sure people are going to give me shit for that. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. What? Yeah. Dude, like when I was in college, in the span of like a week, I hooked up with two different girls who both said my chest hair like looked dumb and I should shave it. And I did. <laughs> I took their advice. And I've just like kept doing it. And no, no woman has ever been like, you should grow it. They just like, I don't know. So part of this bet payoff is that I have to let it grow. So I got to let it build for, I don't know, a month, two months, whatever, to make this actually painful yeah. for me and worth it, uh, worth it for you and everybody else out there. But uh, yeah, so I can't like, I, there's nothing to show right now. It's going to take some time to, uh, to actually pay this off. I will pay it off. I promise. This is not like, oh, I'm not going to do it. It's just, if we did this today, there's nothing to wax. So it wouldn't be a punishment. You know what? I appreciate the admission. First and only time you've ever listened to women telling you something that you are hooking up with. So I guess yeah. way to take that cue. Yeah. First and only time I've ever listened to a woman. I think in, in general, oh, that was my mistake. Uh, so yeah, games though go, um, which, which was your favorite game this weekend, BK? We had three or four of these games turned out to be pretty darn good and, uh, really came down to a final offensive drive for the team trying to, uh, come back and tire, win the game. Unfortunately for Texans fans, that Houston Baltimore game was the one that turned into a blowout by the end. But even halfway through that game as a Texans fan, you felt pretty good. Your defense was playing with their hair on fire. You get that special teams touchdown too. But ultimately, Baltimore is just too damn good, especially running the football in those sorts of conditions. And MVP Lamar did finally show his face in the second half of that one as well. Yeah, we had three and a half great games, right? Because the first half of Houston-Baltimore was phenomenal. It was 10-10 at the break. And you were thinking, all right, the Texans really had a chance to pull off the upset there but like you said yeah Lamar Jackson flexed his muscles a little bit and the Texans just couldn't get anything going offensively 
And that was the case in both of their games in Baltimore this year, right? The season starter back in week one, and obviously their season ender in the divisional round of the playoffs. They just could not figure out that Ravens defense. And for as good as C.J. Stroud was, yeah, that, uh, that was the kryptonite for him this season. Uh, to answer your original question, the best game of the weekend or my favorite game of the weekend, last night. Yeah. I mean, we're rocking the Chief shirt today. There we go. Of course we are. Come on now. It's that time of the year where the uh, Super Bowl champion – Chiefs shirts that I have find their way out of the closet. But that game was epic, dude. Epic. And it was close throughout. You had five or six lead changes. You had drama. You had controversy. You had a little bit of everything. And that's been the case all three times those two teams have met in the playoffs. And just like the first two times, it was Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs who found themselves victorious. But what a game. What a finish for Buffalo. The ghost of Scott Norwood showed up at the worst possible time, and they've got to be kicking themselves because they had plenty of opportunities to win that game yesterday. But you kind of knew that was the headliner of the weekend, and it lived up to it, man. That was a spectacular theater for all four quarters. I mean, if you missed two minutes of that game, you missed something good. That was close and tough and tight throughout. That was awesome. Yeah, you got a little bit of everything also in terms of the drama. You got really good offense in the first half, defenses tightening up in the second half and not allowing nearly as much down the field. It felt, though, like Kansas City won that game by more than what the final score indicated. They had yeah. what could have very well been a touchdown or a touchdown drive, I should say, on the Hardeman a fumble into the end zone. That was such a close play. I think they got that call right, though. It did look like the ball was coming out just before – his body was on the ground to signify that he was down. And Jeff Barker pointed this out on Friday. I'm sure others had throughout the week as well. This is the first time that I had really heard this. Last weekend, the Kansas City receivers stopped doing what had been a problem all year long, and that's dropping the football. And that same thing happened last night, too. These Kansas City re receivers are all of a sudden much more reliable than they had been throughout the course of the 2023 season. So if you can get that to go along with Playoff Patty and this Chiefs defense, even losing some key guys that uh, continues playing a salty brand of defense that they've been doing all year long. And watch out. This may be another year we uh, celebrate a Chiefs championship when it's all said and done. It's not going to be an easy task going into Baltimore next weekend, though, especially if uh, some of those injuries for that Chiefs defense do linger. But we're at that time of the year, as you just said, where you uh, should be pretty hard-pressed to bet against Pat Mahomes' team losing. Yeah, the Chiefs had eight offensive possessions last night. They punted just one time. Like yeah, that's that's bizarre in terms of time of possession and the overall offensive plays run. If you look at those two things, you would assume that, oh my God, Buffalo dominated this game. They had the ball for two-thirds of the game. They ran that many more plays than the Chiefs. No. As you just said, the Chiefs, when they did have the football, were hugely successful in getting it down the field. You're right. Yeah, the Bills had a lot of long drives, and they were able to score early, but that Chiefs defense, they clamped down. And I remember, you know, Nance and Romo on the broadcast at one point were like, oh, the Chiefs defense hasn't given up 30 points in a game all year. Looks like that's going to change. And it did because the Bills got to 23, like midway through the third quarter. And it's like, oh, like the, the Chiefs defense is doing what it usually does in the playoffs, and they're going to need Patrick Mahomes to put on a Superman cape and guide them to a shootout victory. But no, the Chiefs buckled down. Uh, Stephon Diggs had a bad drop. Josh Allen on that last drive with a missed field goal. Instead of you know trying to pick up first downs and move the clock or move the ball and kill some clock, 
for either a go-ahead touchdown or a game-tying field goal at the end. He just started taking shots at the end zone. It made no sense. Like, obviously, you wanted to score. That was priority number one. But remember what happened last time you played those guys in the playoffs? You gave the Chiefs 13 seconds. That's all they needed to go down the field and force overtime is what they did. They ultimately won that game in Arrowhead at overtime. But, like, you want to kill the clock. You don't need touchdowns there. You need first downs, bleed the clock out, and then find a way to score. And instead, he just panicked. He, like, freaked out. He played such a good game. But at the end, he just kept taking these low-percentage shots to the end zone. They didn't hit. They had to settle for a field goal that, I mean, that should have been made. But in those conditions, that pressure, not a sure thing. It just, oh, man, the Bills, they had it. The receivers were blowing it. Josh Allen made a couple of questionable mistakes. Clock management wasn't great. Obviously, the kicker at the end was the nail in the coffin. It was just a a comedy of errors by Buffalo. It almost felt like, Trey, you're right. Like, both teams were great on offense in the first half, and the defense has stepped up in the second half, but it was almost like both teams wanted to give the game away. With the Hardman fumble, uh, one of the DBs on the Chiefs, instead of trying to fall on that Josh Allen fumble, he tried to scoop and score it, and instead the Bills got the ball back in that spot. Like, whoever lost the game was going to be just kicking themselves forever because of missed opportunities. And the Bills just missed one more, and the Chiefs were able to take advantage. Yeah, that punt fake by Buffalo oh. where it was an impromptu call. And look, I get that Kansas City only had 10 men on the field, so that is uh, that's not a uh, that's an obvious call to make there. But what kind of effort was that? They didn't even get anywhere close to the first down on that play. And CB is right, too, by the way. I know this is a side note to this game. What the hell has happened to Tony Romo as a broadcaster? Like, it's, it's like he's, I don't know if he's just not doing prepping into the game, but like, even as far as calling the game itself, like he's not adding a whole lot of insight anymore. He's basically stating the obvious or repeating something that Jim Nance has just said. Yeah, I, I think I'm the last person in the world who likes Tony Romo as a broadcaster. Because uh, I think most people agree with UNCB, but I, I still think he does a good job. The sound effects are ridiculous, but to me, they're hilarious. I'm a bits guy, so I like that bit from Romo. But I still, I still think he brings a good amount to the table. But no one, no one agrees with me anymore. I think it's, uh, I think people are being herded like sheep here. I think one person started hating on Romo, and it became the cool thing, and now everybody hates on Romo. I don't so think he's I that heard bad. the hate, and I was like, oh well, you know, we'll see. I'll listen here and there, and I listened, and I hadn't, I didn't necessarily agree, but last night it seemed to be on full display. Where it's yeah. like one game that you needed to worry about right here and it kind of seems like you're not as prepared as you should be as the analyst for this broadcast but yeah no most people agree with you promo fan on the planet i know i know maybe it's uh the the cowboys fan in me yeah here's uh, i saw this on twitter here's what sean mcdermott thought the chiefs were going to do if he ran that fake punt to damar hamlin here (laughs) oh come on (laughs) it was panther play (laughs) They were going to give him the make-a-wish treatment. Oh, man. Hamlin's got the ball. You can't tackle him. Don't you know what he's been through? This is the feel-good story everybody wants to see. You got to let him go, Chiefs. That's that's not what the Chiefs did in that playoff game. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so... That's an interesting call. You work your whole season to get to that spot, and with your season on the line, you run a fake punt to a uh, defensive back. Almost never plays. Bold strategy. Mar Hamlin played, too. I mean, you want to talk about the the punch. If 
he could have actually picked up the first down there and the Bills win. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. McDermott's a genius if they get it. That's the hindsight is 2020 thing, although that was just a, a dumb call. If it would have worked, it would have been like, ah, yeah, of course, we're giving him credit, but still dumb as hell. But, uh, yeah, because it didn't work, McDermott's got some egg on his face, and I don't know if he's coming back. I, I think he should be fired. I think he's a solid coach, but at some point, you got to get over the hump that is the Kansas City Chiefs, and obviously you got to find your way to the Super Bowl. The Bills, hell, they've been more consistent in making the playoffs than the Cowboys, right? Every Cowboys fan is like, we need to be able to win more in the playoffs, and we should fire our coach because we're not doing it. The Bills, I mean, it feels like every single year they are a favorite to make a deep postseason run, and they come up short. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you see some sweeping changes up there in Buffalo this offseason. They obviously made the change at OC, bringing Joe Brady in. I wonder if they try and roll with that for another season or at least part of another season. The biggest problem for Buffalo right now, BK, in my opinion, is not McNervin on the sideline. It's the fact that they're they're having to be too reliant on Stephon Diggs, and that guy has turned into a shell of himself over the second half of the season. I mean, at some point, you may want to change your attitude. Otherwise, you're going to very quickly find yourself in that Des Bryant camp where the attitude is not outpacing the caliber of play on the field or is it vice versa anyhow there's obviously that balance for diva wide receivers if you're that talented you can get away with being a diva but at some point if the talent is not as good you being a diva on the sidelines in the locker room on the field becomes an enormous distraction to everything else that's trying to go on i know gabe davis wasn't playing in this game for buffalo buffalo may be ready to uh move on from digs this offseason just it's, it seems like an every week thing that they're having to either stick up for the guy or defend the guy or uh, in some cases push back on the guy if he's just being extra ridiculous. I I feel like we see a change in terms of that receiving core this offseason, assuming everybody else does stick around. Yeah, that could be one of those sweeping changes, right? I mean, Diggs has been incredibly productive there, and he and Josh Allen have had great rapport over the years, but uh, struggled a lot down the stretch. And oh, once again, a huge drop. I mean, that was a perfect ball from Josh Allen. Not that that was an easy catch that far down the field, but if you're a number one receiver and you're paid like one of the top receivers in the league, like Stephon Diggs is, you got to come down with that in that spot, and he didn't do it. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, another thing that could absolutely change. We know Josh Allen's not going anywhere, but uh, Buffalo's got to do something. They can't keep running it back with the same coaching staff and the same group of core players and just hope that they can get over the Mahomes hump. They've got to mix something up in an effort to uh, to get to a Super Bowl heartbreaker for them. And yeah. look, I, this, this is not an excuse because the Chiefs are dealing with injuries too, but they did have to deal with a rash of injuries, yeah. especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. All, all right, before we get to... Two, I believe. Say that again? At all three levels too, I believe. Oh, yes. Yeah, and they had some guys go down in that game too. And they were already banged up going in, and a few guys had to leave throughout uh, the game last night. Okay, before we get to the other games of the NFL weekend and uh, get into Texas basketball, some shout-outs to some of our great sponsors. We'll start with a TV spot from our friends at Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. 
Our newest location in the gorgeous Hill Country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Covert Bee Cave. Also, shout out to Olipop. Great tasting soda. It's actually good for you if one of your New Year's resolutions this year is to treat your body a little bit better and be a little bit healthier in 2024. Well, Olipop makes it easy because it's good for you. They've got ingredients in there that will help with your digestive health. But most importantly, it tastes great. Olipop tastes just like the soda you grew up sipping, but you get tons of health benefits as well. Normally, when you're talking about a healthy food or drink, it's going to taste like ass, and you got to power through it, and you're going to hate yourself for drinking it. No, not the case with Olipop. Tons of great flavors, and uh, they're all good for you. Pick it up, H-E-B, Target, Walmart, Costco, Whole Foods, wherever you buy your groceries, you can find some Olipop. And uh, Trey, I was talking to Tom McKay at AV Consultations earlier today. You get, uh, did you get the invite to his upcoming birthday? You just trying to rub it in now? Rub what in? The fact that I didn't get an invite to his birthday. He didn't invite you? No. When is his birthday? Oh, no. Well, now I'm not sure I can tell you anymore. Ah, oh, shit. I might be getting in trouble with him. I'm- Fucking showing up a bad motherfucker. Don't tell <laughs> me on the air. Tell me off the air. I'm crashing that son of a bitch. Oh, no. Yeah, I kind of figured he had already told you. That's why it was maybe you were never. Oh, boy. I may get an invite. I may not. Regardless, I am still a big believer in high visual consultations. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dude. What a great backfire that was. Audiovisual consultations look regardless. I love Tom. If I don't get invited to the birthday, that's okay. I'm not not the biggest party guy. I'd probably just show up and uh, just be awkward the entire time. Anyhow, that's typically what happens with me at parties. Audiovisual consultations, they do not make it awkward for you when they hook up your home, that dream home entertainment center. I know because they have come to our place a couple of different times over the years. First to get that dream set up downstairs. After that, they provided a video game nook in our upstairs loft area that is probably used as much, if not more, than the downstairs television area. I will say this, though. Last night, we had a lot of fun as a family watching the Buffalo-Kansas City game. Uh, The ladies in my life, they were uh, all about the Taylor Swift cam. My son and I, we were much more about the football, but it uh, it was family fun in large part because of that kick-ass television set up downstairs, uh, downstairs, the surround sound to boot. We have audio-visual consultations to thank for that. Find out for yourself. Go to avconsultations.com to see everything they can do for you and your home or place of business. Once you decide on that service, you can give them a call at 512-255-8678. That's 255-8678 for audio-visual consultations. Was it the T-Swift cam or was it the Jason Kelsey cam that they were locked in on last night? They may have to like get him a different suite for next weekend's game. I don't know how much more Taylor Swift can handle that guy. Oh, uh, or vice versa, or or vice versa. Yeah, that was uh, that was the best part of having to see Taylor Swift fifty times during the game is that we got to see shirtless Jason Kelsey just blasted out of his mind. That was spectacular television. At first, when they panned to him, 
they may have done it at the beginning of the game and I just missed it, but the first time they panned to him that I saw him, I'm like, oh shit, is Burt Kreischer in the Taylor Swift seat this week? No, it was Jason Kelsey. Yep, having the time of his life, the recently retired Jason Kelsey. Yeah, that was uh, apparently he jumped out of the suite and started drinking with some Bills fans in the crowd too. Man of the people. I did see that video, and I also saw him drinking with fans before the game too. So yeah, he was on one yesterday, getting ready to root his brother on to victory. Travis was interesting because Travis was good in the beginning of the game. It felt like he was, I mean, I know he was on the field, but he was kind of nowhere to be found in terms of productivity in the second half. Like you said, the Chiefs just didn't have the ball that much. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I mean, Kelsey, that was the best game Kelsey's played in a long time, right? Like, he looked like vintage Travis Kelsey when all this year the narrative has been like, oh, has he lost a step? Is Taylor ruining his career? Like, what's going on? Like, he he looked like the, the classic future Hall of Famer last night which uh, was much needed but yeah now a lot of his production his two touchdowns i think came in the first half oh this was a pretty low scoring uh second half of football especially after the start of the second half i think both teams scored on like their first drives of the third quarter and then after that it was just kind of stagnant both ways offensively but yeah kelsey a uh, nice game for him and the chiefs six straight amazing six straight afc championships every year mahomes has been a starter they have made it to the final four in the NFL. Obviously, this will be their first one away from Arrowhead, but regardless, stupid what he and that team are doing. The Ravens are three and a half point favorites right now, or at least they were a couple of hours ago when I checked that line. I don't know how I can, I guess we're not really having to do picks anymore, but I don't know how I could pick against Pat Mahomes at this point. Yeah, we'll still do picks, I'm sure, because people want to know how to make money and they're going to fade me. So if you're a Chiefs fan, you better hope I pick Baltimore and vice versa. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I saw this stat earlier. I think Mahomes has been an underdog 11 times in his career, regular and post nine, one and one against the spread. Yeah. Eight, eight and three outright. Like that's pretty damn good right there. Hammer the money line. Sure feels that way. He's special, man. Right now. I think Baltimore does win the game. They're a little bit healthier as a team. And I think that's. They will be able to stifle that Chiefs offense enough to win. But then again, Pacheco was uh, playing like a man-inspired yesterday, too. I mean, the Chiefs look like a completely different team from the one that we watched throughout much of 2023. Agreed, 100%. So Chiefs get the win. Uh, We talked a little bit about Ravens-Texans. Close game at halftime, but the Texans, they didn't run a single play inside the Ravens' 25-yard line. I think uh, the other games were good. I think the other best game was the Saturday night game, right? Packers-Niners. That. Oh, my gosh. I I had about 50 changes of emotion watching that game. I couldn't figure out who was going to win, right? Every time I thought one team was going to win, the other team did something, and it was just back and forth, and ultimately San Francisco took a late lead. It was a very inconsistent night for Brock Purdy, but on the final offensive drive of the game, he marched the Niners down the field and uh, helped them get into the end zone, and Jordan Love, on his final possession, went full Brett Favre gunslinger. It's like he he went Hail Mary. He had plenty of time. He didn't have to do it. He could have thrown that ball away and lived to die another down. He takes a shot across his body over the middle of the field, and it's intercepted, and San Francisco is headed back to the NFC title game. What a thriller. Yeah, San Francisco in a way won in spite of themselves. And look, what have we said all along about San Francisco back when they were the heavy favorite I think you probably put Baltimore as the favorite now, especially with what Baltimore was able to do in the Bay Area uh, over the final month of the season in a game that nobody was really giving them a chance. San Francisco's success is dependent 
on their ability to stay healthy. Their most important pieces on offense staying healthy. Debo Samuel suffers that shoulder injury early in that game. And that offense did not look the same after that. Did not look like what we've, uh, the juggernaut that we've come to expect throughout the course of this season. Brock Purdy is turning into, I don't know if you call him a problem at this point. If and when the 49ers lose this year, my guess is that a lot of the blame will be put on Brock Purdy's shoulders. He was uh, inconsistent, had the glove to start the game in those wet conditions, and was kind of all over the place throughout the course of that game. I'm actually picking the Lions to pull off the outright upset this coming Sunday, and I think a lot of that is going to have to do with Brock Purdy and him having limitations at the quarterback position. I know you well enough to know that you're going to change your mind because everyone else is picking the Lions to pull off the upset, and you're going to be freaked out by that, and you're going to end up picking San Francisco at the end of the week. Right. I don't like going along with the (laughs) masses. Yeah, I've heard like people on Texas Sports Unfiltered, people all over the place like, Lions are seven-point dogs. I'm picking them to win outright. Like, ah. 49ers by 21, BK. I've changed my mind. Uh, Purdy was terrible until that last drive. He was six of seven for 47 yards on that last drive. But, dude, he was just missing everybody. Overthrows, underthrows. Like, it was just – guys were open, too, even without Debo. Like, guys were open. He just wasn't hitting them. Dude, there there were balls that he was throwing where the, the lack of spiral looked like one of my kids throwing the football. Yeah. And like, was, not only was it not a spiral, it's like the ball was almost going like end over end or something at times. And it was like what Tariko and Collinsworth had that game, right? Yeah. And and Collinsworth was like, oh, he got hit. And it's like, no, no, he didn't. Like, no, there's no pressure here. He's just like, I don't know what he's doing. Looked like freshman year Quinn Ewers out there at times. Like, just what is happening right now to this guy? It was bizarre to see. Once again, he stepped up, but you're right. Like, Whenever they lose, it'll be the same conversation that has happened around San Francisco for the last few years with Jimmy G. It's like, eh, he's the reason why. So as good as Purdy's been, hell, that guy was the MVP front runner for a large portion of the regular season. Like, I don't know how confident you can feel in that guy uh, in these final two games that San Francisco hopes to be playing in. If there is a reason to believe in Detroit right now, other than them obviously having the mojo, it's that matchup wise i feel like this is a pretty good matchup for them with what san francisco does well versus what detroit defends against well and where you can really get detroit as a defense we saw it again this last weekend baker mayfield throws for a lot of yards has three touchdowns throws a couple of interceptions too as well of course but brock purdy's got to be a lot better for certainly for them to cover the line as it stands right now but for them to win because detroit is going to come out very inspired Big fan of what they're doing offensively, both running the football and with the passing game. Jared Goff going back to the Bay Area, which is obviously where he played his college ball. Uh, Detroit's going to be juiced, and if San Francisco is not ready, uh, they could find themselves down early on in this one. Yeah, and I'll give uh, Kyle Shanahan some credit, right? He got a monkey off of his back on Saturday. I think everybody had seen the stat at some point in Shanahan's coaching career. The Niners were 0-30 under Shanahan when they trailed by five or more points in the fourth quarter. Now they are one in 30. They were able to come back and get a win, but like they are used to playing with the lead. You talk about injuries. They need to get out to a good start because they are not built to play from behind. They finally found a way to, uh, to overcome a fourth quarter deficit, but still that number obviously not in San Fran's favor. How the hell is that even possible? Owen. Oh, 30, my God. I know. He's we're like, talking about like trailing by two touchdowns. Trailing yeah. by a single score and you didn't have a win until 
a couple of days ago. And Shanahan, like he's one of the best coaches in football too. We're not talking yeah. about like fat ass Mike McCarthy or something. Like we're talking about a guy people regard very highly in this league. And that's just been his one sort of bugaboo as a head coach. So uh big win for him and Jordan Love played great for the most part, but he is next in line. Packers quarterback owns the Bears, beats the Cowboys in the playoffs, and then loses to the 49ers in the playoffs. That's just what Aaron Rodgers did all the time. He fits in perfectly there, doesn't he? He, he is a uh, mushroom trip and some dick pics away from fulfilling his destiny as a uh, Packers quarterback, past or present. That'd be hilarious if he did both of those things, like just the worst parts of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. He just starts stealing money from the poor and giving it to the rich, also like Brett Favre did. Mm. And uh, yeah, random darkness retreats and drug trips. Like if he does all that stuff, then I'll be a fan. Oh, that'll turn you into a bigger fan. Okay. It will be. Yeah, I hate him right now because, you know, screw him. But if he does all that stuff, then everyone else will hate him. I'll support him. Good luck, Jordan. So there you go. Uh, Niners get the win there. Um, We'll we'll hit some Texas basketball here because I'm sure we want to talk about it for a little bit. Boy, unfortunately for a couple of fan bases, Packers and Bills, they're having to – live with the fact that an idiot kicker ruined their chances of winning games over the weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah. Green Bay's kicker, uh, Anders Carlson missing. And it's funny. One of my good buddies here is a Packers fan. And I was watching the Texans Ravens game with him. And I was like, Hey, what are your thoughts on Packers Niners tonight? He's like, feel pretty good. But if the game comes down to our kicker, he's going to miss it. He's like anything over 30 yards. I don't feel good about. And Carlson was two of three. The two makes he had were from 29. And the one kick he had over 30, it was 41, 40. I can't remember what it was, but obviously he missed it. It was like two a T. My buddy predicted what was going to happen. He's like, I think we're going to hang with him. I think we'll be right there. But if this comes down to a field goal, I don't like our chances. And that's exactly what happened. Get rid of that Swedish asshole. Sorry. You got to be better at kicking. I mean, the Packers had Mason Crosby for so long and he was Mr. Reliable. They've got the opposite of that with that dude right now. Yeah, yeah. Crosby, even when Crosby had bad years, which were so few and far between, he was still incredibly clutch. There were years where Packers fans were like, cut this guy, we don't trust him. They'd get to the playoffs and he'd make like three huge kicks in a row, usually to beat the Cowboys. Uh, Carlson, not so much. He doesn't have that clutch gene in him. So that hurts. Nice win for San Francisco. They move on to the NFC title game again. Yeah, two great matchups. The ones and the threes remain in each conference. You got Baltimore and Kansas City in the AFC. That'll be the early game on Sunday. And then the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Detroit Lions. I'm sure Chip and Zay will talk plenty about that game. Of course, Chip, our resident Lions fan. Hell, we have two. Megan is a Lions fan. We have two Lions fans on this uh, on this network right now. and. Like just about everybody else in the country is becoming a Lions fan too, with how long it's been for them to be in this spot. Now, I and I know I am an adopted Lions fan, and I will very quickly dump them if I am no longer entertained by them. But I have been saying since the beginning of the year that I am a Lions fan. They are one of my adopted teams this season. So two and a half Lions fans on yeah. Texas Sports Unfiltered. Yeah, I've been saying since like the day I was born that I'm a diehard Lions fan, dude. Like I went through 0 and 16. Don't question me. I went through all those. I don't know. I don't know. That's You're, you already got away with that with the Chiefs a couple of years ago. All of a sudden, no, all of a sudden, hearkening back to his Kansas roots and rooting for the Chiefs, right? And then when they start to become a dynasty, hey, 
<laughs> first jersey I ever put on, first stadium I ever went to, first team I ever liked. Yeah, big Steve Bono guy back in his uh, infancy. Yeah, diehard Steve Bono fan. I like Bono too. Like you know, all of them, the best. I went through the Trent Green days as a kid. Those weren't that bad. He was okay. Yeah, he was actually okay. Solid quarterback for a while. Uh, Chiefs Lions would be a fun one for sure. I'll be rooting for the Lions against San Francisco. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, you as a Cowboys fan, there's no question. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want anyone to win on Saturday, but uh, now, now I'll root for the Lions against the Niners. So we're either going to get this is going to be one of two storylines with the uh, from the AFC side for the Super Bowl. It's either going to be the Taylor Swift game, or it's going to be can the Harbaugh brothers dominate football mm. in a given season with. Jim obviously winning the uh, the college championship not too long ago, and John going for another Super Bowl title. Yeah, some great storylines out there. Uh, either way, uh, regardless of what matchup we get, I think there's uh, a lot that'll be worth paying attention to. Four great teams, four teams that have been uh, amongst the best in the league all season long, and we'll see what we get. We'll know next time, or next week at this time, I should say. All right, we'll, we'll dive a lot into Texas basketball tomorrow because Texas plays OU, but obviously want to weigh in on Saturday's game a little bit today before we get to where we at in society. Uh, biggest win of the year, Trey, for Texas. They knock off Baylor in dramatic fashion. Tyrese Hunter, the game-winning layup at the buzzer. Tremendous play by him, a tremendously high IQ play by him. I tweeted this out from the TSU account on Saturday. Like You see a lot of guys in the waning seconds of a game like that just pull up from three. Right, they they lose track of time. They want to be a hero. They just pull up and take a deep, low percentage shot. Tyrese Hunter knew exactly how much time he had. He knew how much time he needed to get down the floor, and he was able to uh, get all the way to the ten and bank in a contested layup, but still a layup nonetheless at the buzzer to uh, get the dub. That was a great play by him and a much, much needed dub for the Longhorns. Since the beginning of the year, I have been clamoring for Tyrese Hunter to really step up and assert himself as the guy. And we've seen ebbs and flows with that process. But for this basketball team going forward, BK, if both DeSue and Hunter can take more ownership and try and be the alphas for a basketball team that badly needs some alpha personalities. Jeff Barker talked about this on the 3-5 to five show on Friday, made some great points in this regard. I feel much better about the Longhorns' prospects of leveling out and possibly playing their way into a postseason. Now, I'm still skeptical that that's going to happen because the body of work up to this point before Saturday spoke to a uh, team that didn't have it game-to-game, game, especially against... Really good competition game in, game out. As we know, five more straight games against ranked opponents. But for at least one night, at least one afternoon, I should say, uh, this team showed to have the medal. There were a lot of people questioning their resiliency, their heart, heading into that game. Obviously, Rodney Terry and what happened at the end of that loss to UCF last week was a pretty ugly moment for this program. We can certainly get to what happened at the end of the game on Saturday and uh, Terry's comments after that as well. 
But for at least one moment in time, DeSue and Tyrese Hunter, along with Acemas, and I know that he wasn't very good in the second half, showed the guys who really need to be the biggest pieces for this Texas basketball team for them to win games against good competition. Yep, those are the three best players on the team. And you're right, if you can get that version of Tyrese Hunter every single night, then you've got a chance to get back into the NCAA tournament. He's really talented. There's no doubt about it. You just need him engaged. Yeah. You need him locked in. When he is, he could be one of the better players in this conference. Uh, when he's not, it can be ugly, but he was great both halves. Four of seven from uh, downtown, led Texas with 21 points, and Dylan DeSue had 19 right behind him. Uh, good to see those guys bounce back. Texas did a much better job on the glass than they did against UCF, where they got bullied at times against the Knights. And the defense, it stepped up. Like uh, Baylor went damn near nine minutes without a field goal. In the second half, felt like a shock, a smart coach team or something on the other side. But yeah, I mean, Baylor went from like the nine minute mark until they hit that game tying three in the final seconds without a bucket at all. So credit the Texas defense, right? The offense started sputtering a little bit and you kind of figured uh, in the second half, all those shots that were falling in the first half where both teams weren't going to keep falling. It was just ridiculously high uh, shooting percentages on both sides in the first. You figured that would come back down to earth a little bit. Texas got a bunch of stops that it needed, and that was able to uh, overcome some of the offensive woes that the Longhorns had on the other end. Yeah, and I know Billis was pointing it out on the broad, uh, broadcast. Just uh, things started to stagnate for Texas offensively in the second half. Guys, they weren't moving nearly as well, weren't getting as crisp of passing. It turned into a little bit more hero ball at times. Fortunately, they did really tighten the screws on the defensive end, and uh, they were getting contributions from everybody on defense, it seemed like. Uh, especially guys like DeSue. You saw some good moments out of Shedrick, Dylan Mitchell as well. And then the uh, the guards really stepping up, even though they are undersized or diminutive. And uh, how about uh, uh, Kendall Weaver also did a really yeah. good job of uh, bringing that, uh, that lunch pail to the game, I guess you could say, and doing a lot of dirty work plays. We've become accustomed with uh, Brock Cunningham making. He was doing more of those sorts of things at that guard position because Cunningham – He's almost becoming an afterthought to this team right now. I think he only played 10 minutes in this game. It's just, I know this has kind of been his reputation from the get-go, but like when he's in there, it seems like he's getting into foul trouble pretty quickly. So fortunately, we've uh, seen some other guys really step up in his absence. Yeah, glad you mentioned that. Yeah, Weaver getting 19 minutes and Cunningham getting 10. I want to see more of that in the yeah. future. Like Weaver needs more minutes than Cunningham right now. He gives you a little bit more spunk. He's got uh, obviously a little bit more game on the offensive end of the floor. And yeah, he could be that grit and hustle guy too. So nice adjustment there. People really sleep on also that really surprises opponents, that athleticism that he brings to the table too. Freak athlete. I remember at the orange white basketball scrimmage, watching some of the dunks that guy did in warmups. It's like, Oh shoot. I didn't realize he was capable of that. So uh, yeah, much more athletic than Brock Cunningham. It's not because Cunningham's white. It's because it's a true statement. Just so everyone knows out there, no reverse racism today. Right. <laughs> Never. Uh, you said it. It's the biggest stretch of the year for Texas basketball. Six straight against ranked teams. They started perfectly. 1-0. We'll see how they do tomorrow night in Norman against a very good Oklahoma team. That I didn't see the new AP poll. They were 15 last week, but they went 2-0. and So I assume they're closer to 10 in the new AP poll. Let me filibuster and see if I can find it. Number 11. So Texas on the road at number 11, Oklahoma, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock tip on ESPN. We will talk more about that. We'll get into more of what uh, Rodney Terry said and did after the Baylor game, maybe during tomorrow's show. Or should we do it right now? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to do where are we at because you got some good stories. I was gonna say I was gonna turn that into where are we at, but okay, we can uh, we can get to one of these other stories. I don't know your tease. Your tease was good back at the start of the show. So good that I don't remember what it was, but it was good. But I'd have made an impact. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Uh, I want to give some love to Altstad Beer. I always remember that it's the best beer that you can find all throughout the state of Texas. It's the only beer that I drink. Uh, all across the state of Texas. I was drinking some old stat watching the football this weekend. My fridge at home is stocked with it. Yours should be too. They've got a bunch of different brews out there. Something for every beer drinker and every old stat is brewed with just four simple ingredients. There are no additives. There are no preservatives, no unnecessary sugars in any of the old stat family of beers. You can feel good about what you're putting into your system. You look at the ingredients of some of the other local brews or some of the big name beers, and you're going to see a bunch of stuff that you don't want to see. You don't have to worry about that with Oldstat, but most importantly, the taste, right? That's what makes you go back to the beer that you love to drink. The taste is absolutely there with Oldstat beer. Don't just take my word for it. Pick up a six-pack wherever you buy your beer. It is the official beer of BK. It should be the official beer of you as well. It's Oldstat beer. No impurities, no regrets. Trey, live or recorded for Pest Wranglers today? Let's go recorded with Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512 670 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? Right, it is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day. Today, and where are we at, BK? We put our focus on a global hero who unfortunately is being treated like scum by the country with which he is pulling off some heroics. Mm. What would it take for you to try and complete a marathon that would be 26.2 miles? Nothing. I mean, there's no way that it would ever happen. Like I'm if- with you. Like I, I hate running. Running a mile is a colossal pain in the ass for me, believe it or not, even though I, I take pretty good care of myself to try and run, I don't know, five miles would require a lot of money. 26.2 miles. No, thank you. A I million mean, bucks somewhere in the six figures. It's going to have to be a six figure payout for me to consider running 26.2 miles. That's how much I hate running. Dude. I'm not even kidding. If my two options were run a marathon or die, kill me. I'm not doing it. Nice. Seriously. Like. I think I would die running the marathon. So I either, I either just die or I die, but my last memory of being alive was trying to run a marathon. So just go ahead and end things before we even start, please. So because I am unwilling to run a marathon, I am at least a little bit impressed by people who subject themselves to such torture. Sure. If you do that, kudos to you. Congratulations for completing a marathon. If you do it at 52 years old, that makes it even more impressive. To do it in three and a half hours, even more impressive. But to do it like a Chinese man did a little bit earlier this year, 
A guy by the name of Uncle Chin. That's a nickname, not his birth certificate no name. No disrespect. To do it while chain smoking the entire race is where, where the heroism comes into play. But unfortunately, Uncle Chin, who did do this during the Jimin Marathon in China earlier this year, was disqualified as a result of smoking on the track. How is that a disqualification there? The marathon committee issued a statement announcing the disqualification for violating an article in the marathon rules and regulations, which states, quote, uncivilized behavior from runners, such as open defecation, smoking, or trampling on flower beds or green spaces that affect the race and the safety of other runners will result in disqualification. We need to put a very clear distinction between shitting on the racetrack and smoking while you're running the race. Cause those are two very different things, which yeah. by the way, if you're shitting on the racetrack, I kind of want to see that as well. I don't know if that should lead to disqualification. Mm. I understand why that gets you disqualified, but if a guy wants to smoke cigarettes, if he wants to burn heaters the entire time that he is completing a 26.2 mile run, good for him. You've just added the challenge to yourself. That has become that much more difficult because of what cigarettes do to your lungs. Ah, shit. BK just froze. So as I mentioned, Article 2.12 states, uncivilized behavior from runners such as open defecation, smoking or trampling flower beds will get you disqualified. He did cross the finish line just five minutes slower than his 328 finish from two years ago and actually placed 574th out of more than 1,500 runners this year. And he's been doing this sort of thing for a while as well. Uncle Chen was first photographed during the 2018 Guangzhou Marathon, which he completed in three hours and 36 minutes. Previously, he'd been allowed to compete while keeping up the smoking habit, but the Chinese Athletics Association implemented a new rule last year in an effort to promote healthy participation and curb smoking during events. So it looks like Uncle Chin's own viral popularity on social media has led to his downfall. Reaction to Chin's unorthodox methods have drawn both praise and criticism online from fellow competitors. While it is no doubt inconsiderate to others in the race, many applaud him for being able to complete the grueling race while actively harming himself, which is kind of where I fall on things right now. For those of you wanting to see a picture of Chin in action, just burning a heater mid-race. There you go. As, uh-oh, let me see. I just got a text here. I'm guessing this is from BK. As you look at the picture of Uncle Chin burning a heater mid-race. Zay about to pop on here. There he is lighting one up while running a marathon. I wouldn't do it. I'm not looking to smoke cigarettes mid-race. But I understand why that's impressive. I certainly don't think that it should be in the same category as shitting on the racetrack as something that's harmful to other racers. As I bring Zay in right now. Mm -hmm. The Chinese guy nicknamed Uncle Chin, who has become notorious for running marathons while chain smoking. The entire time that he's running the 26.2 miles was disqualified from a race that he finished recently 
He was disqualified for engaging in something that is considered harmful to other runners that is on par with shitting on the racetrack, which I completely disagree with. So, so what kind of cigarettes are we talking here? Are we talking like American spirits? Are we talking marble reds? Are we talking cool? You know, like I feel like that has to, you know, take a part into why this is successful for him. Right. I mean, I think that's a great question. Because the menthol is uh, supposed to be worse for you, right? You go unfiltered, go without the filter. That's supposed to be worse for you in the filtered. I think the uh, caliber of cigarette, what type of cigarette it is, should actually matter too. Unfortunately, this Toronto Sun story does not give me any of those details. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that dude should be in the Hall of Fame. Whatever hell Hall of Fame there is, running marathons, you know, he's doing his thing. That's a... Yeah, yeah. I'm in awe. I'm not going to lie. Crazy shit. And uh, we are all in awe of the Detroit Lions winning a second playoff game in this year's playoffs with our guy Chip Brown. Very happy to see them try to pull off an upset in San Francisco next week. And Chip, I know you guys are going to get into the Lions' big win over Tampa over the weekend, but look, the Lions tend to give up a lot of passing yards against teams who are decent throwing the football. Cameron Sutton. With Brock Purdy turning back into pump fake Purdy from his Iowa State days, isn't exactly lighting it up through the air. You guys have a legit shot to pull this off next weekend. I mean, I am. I can breathe again because now the Lions go from being the favorite to being the dog. And they were really good on the road, except playing the Baltimore Ravens this year. Um, I, I got a funny feeling, man. I hope it's not gas. I hope it's the lion's time. And yeah, they're not facing, they're not facing Joe Montana or Steve young or Colin Kaepernick. They're facing Brock Purdy. And Debo Samuel is questionable. Yeah, they're they're facing a guy who's having to wear a uh, a waiter's glove from a fine French restaurant if the conditions are a little bit too slick. <laughs> I mean, he was oh, Green Bay absolutely should have won that game. He I was mean, dangerously close to one of those bewildering Brock Purdy turnovers that we've all become accustomed to over time. Anders Carlson, come on, man. Come on, dog. Tyler Bass, it's a little different. Carlson, nah, you got to knock that down, baby. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Kickers. (laughs) I mean, the Packers and the Bills today are pissed at kickers. Yep. It's brutal. That's the game. They had it. Knock them down. All right, guys, BK had some technical issues that I need to uh, help out with behind the scenes. So uh, you'll have a great show. I'll talk to you all at three when uh, Jeff and I come on. Appreciate you, Trey. Appreciate you, Trey.